Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit on your solar-powered community radio, WDBX 91.1 FM. My name is Tree Song, and I believe we have a guest with us here on the phone. Good day. I'm calling from the 28th Annual Energy Fair in Custer, Wisconsin. Yes, good morning. Celebrating the first day, or almost, the first day of summer. Yes. Yeah. And so really, since we've got you on the air here, we're sort of all vicariously attending along with you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> For 30 minutes, well, I heard anyway. there was a major power outage. I leave town for a day and blam. Yeah, I heard that too. I wasn't affected by it, uh, at least that I know of, but uh, I did hear that too. Right. Um, but yeah, the Midwest, well, I guess it's no longer just the Midwest Energy Fair. It's literally the Energy Fair. It's the longest running clean energy and sustainable living fair with over 250 workshops. One of them, which is mine, living off grid, really. Um, um, keynote speaker is uh, a guy from Tesla. I forgot his name. Yeah, I remember seeing that when I was looking up all the info for this year. And they're 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 going to have a Tesla owner parking lot rally to document the largest gathering of Tesla cars in the Midwest. So. Oh, cool. Yep. So you mean electric vehicles are a real thing that already exist? <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Here in the Midwest, people may not know as much, you know. PV plus EV equals running on sunshine. <laughs> there you PV go. is, you know, solar electric, and EV is electric cars. And so you've heard the song, Running on Sunshine. So they yeah. actually played a video. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into some of the news, and then we'll mention the we actually have it listed again as one of the news stories. So we'll talk about it a little more then too. But let's, let's start with All this right, one. Let's depress people a little bit. Yeah, there's no need to rush. A judge rules that rushing approval for the Dakota Access Pipeline violated the law. Oil will still keep flowing for now, but the Standing Rock Sioux will have an opportunity next week to argue that the pipeline should be shut down while it undergoes further environmental review. U.S. District Court Judge James Bosberg issued a ruling on Wednesday that deemed the previous environmental review process inadequate. That's the process where they basically said, yes, we definitely need an environmental review, and then a month or two later they're like, eh, no, new administration, we don't need it anymore. (laughs) So that does seem like it may be inadequate. The ruling comes in response to a legal challenge filed by the tribe in February after the Trump administration hastily greenlit the pipeline shortly after inauguration. Which they did. They didn't do that based on any new information. They just said, eh, we like pipelines. We're going to greenlight it. What's greenlight mean? That sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Like traffic light? Yeah. They didn't like light it up and say, this is a green project. <laughs> no. Specifically, the judge said the Army Corps of Engineers 
which must approve pipelines that cross water, quote, did not adequately consider the impacts of an oil spill on fishing rights, hunting rights, or environmental justice, or the degree to which the pipeline's effects are likely to be highly controversial. Wham! Yeah, wham. (laughs) I mean, like, like the story says at the beginning, the oil is still currently flowing, but this does seem to give them good grounds for arguing... Uh, you know, if if it's the case that they went through this too hastily, then it seems like that's good grounds to stop the flow of oil while they do a, an actual real review. The Standing Rock Sioux have argued for months that the pipeline would endanger their drinking water and ancestral lands. Since oil began flowing in March, the pipeline has already leaked several times. Is that is that sort of a world record of the fastest pipeline leak? Standing Sioux... Standing Rock Sioux Chair Dave Archambault II said the tribe, quote, will ask the court to shut down the pipeline operations immediately. So when they're arguing, they kind of have a valid argument if there's already oil spilled. Yeah. <laughs> and they it's also like, kind of have... not theoretical. Yeah, it's not in theory anymore like this might spill oil sometime. It already has spilled oil. And I think there's a strong argument to halts the use of the pipeline until they decide these environmental questions. Because it's sort of like I'm reminded of the struggles with logging, for example. If you log all of the trees and then you decide, oh, that was not an environmentally sensitive thing to do, it's kind of too late at that point. <laughs> so it's good to pause, wait, not do the damage, and then decide about it, you know. But we'll see what, we'll see what they decide. This is one turn in the, in the direction of the Standing Rock Sioux, so... It may be followed by another soon. So you give me the news, the good news article. <laughs> Renewable record. Wind and solar supply, 10% of U.S. electricity in March. The saying about March, in like a lion, out like a lamb, plays extremely well for renewable generation. Wind and solar together cross the 10% mark of total electricity Production in March reports the Energy Information Administration. That's the first time they've reached double-digit market share for a month, marking an important milestone in the growth of renewables nationwide. Wind supplied 8%, and solar produced 2%. Overall, for 2016, wind supplied 5.6% of generation, utility-scale solar, contributed 0.9%, and small-scale solar about 0.5%, for a cumulative total of 7%. Why did the record occur in March, when the days hadn't reached their sunny summer maximum? Well, most of the electricity is still coming from wind, for one thing, and more of that wind comes from Texas than any other state by a long shot. The winds blow more forcefully in Texas and surrounding states in the spring. So when they say Texas is big, it's big with wind. Yeah. Those big planes for the wind to blow over. Um, this week I spoke at two energy job symposiums, one at John A. Logan and one over in Harrisburg. And someone brought up the question, yes. you know, if there's a bunch of renewable energy jobs, what will happen when the market drops out of solar? And I was just like, well, here's a perfect example. We've produced point, you know, 2% of our energy is solar. That means we've got, you know, 
well, 10% renewables, that means we've got 90% to go. Yeah. <laughs> That'll so, take a long time. Yeah, the market's not going to drop out any soon, anytime soon on that. That's more of planning for like what's going to happen decades from now rather than what's going to happen in the next few years. But yeah, that's, I think that is a remarkable milestone too, the 10% uh, for uh, U.S. electricity. Because you know, there are obviously certain areas that may have more than that in a given month, but for the whole U.S. to reach that point, it's a well, definitely Well, in the past, milestone. we've actually you know, reached 11%, but that was back when they counted hydroelectric as renewable. Mm-hmm. And they've quit counting that because, you know, large-scale hydroelectric because, well, I mean, it's not really renewable because it knocks out, you know, you have to flood a whole area and therefore, I guess it is renewable, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and so they don't really count hydro anymore as um, a continuing sustainable energy source. Yeah, well, 10% is, is at least some progress along the way. It reminds me of the goals we have of 100%, like the projects like the uh, Solutions Project and others that are trying to reach 100%. You know, 10% is a stepping stone along the way to that. So well, I mean, if they can do it in Germany, which has, like, next to no sun, yeah. <laughs> we can do it here. Yeah. We can do it wherever we put our mind to it. Well, I mean, the goal for Illinois is 25% renewables by 2025. Yeah. So that's the renewable portfolio standard, and it's backed by $200 million a year. So. so, and if Illinois actually achieves that, we may actually be ahead of the country on something in Illinois. Very much so. <laughs> That'll be a very, you know... A happy moment to have Illinois actually be ahead of the country on something instead of falling behind. <laughs> All right, so yeah, here's... we should be in the next, you know, within the next five years, the top ten renewable energy state. Yeah, so, let's and, do it. <laughs> yeah, and then hopefully that'll change the course of other things in the state too. Having all of that renewable energy economy boosting here. Hopefully, we'll be help. making all this money, so we'll have. That'd be amazing if, like, renewable energy, like, I don't know. What I've been saying less recently is we need a power dime shift from coal to soul. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, power dime shift. <laughs> All right, so here's some other news. We, I managed to slip in the less happy one in the middle instead of at the beginning this time. <laughs> Climate change study in Canada's Hudson Bay thwarted by climate change. <laughs> Man, climate change is just knocking people's butts on their butts. Yeah. Scientists in Canada have been forced to abandon an expedition to the Hudson Bay to research the impact of climate change after warming temperatures created perilous ice conditions off the coast of Newfoundland. In late May, 40 scientists from five Canadian universities set off from Quebec City in an icebreaker and Arctic research vessel, CCGS Amundsen. This sounds like a really exciting, you know, scientific research adventure they were going on. The expedition was the first leg of a four-year, $17 million Canadian dollars research project designed to delve into the effects of climate change on Hudson Bay. The icebreaker was soon diverted. Dense ice up to 8 meters 
25 feet thick, had filled the waters off the northern coast of Newfoundland, trapping fishing boats and ferries. Quote, it was a really dramatic situation, said David Barber, the expedition's chief scientist. Quote, we were getting search and rescue calls from fishing boats that were stranded in the ice and tankers that were stranded trying to get fuel into the communities. Nobody could manage this ice because it was far too heavy to get through. Barber, a climate change scientist at the University of Manitoba, and the other scientists did what they could to help the Coast Guard rescue the vessels and carved a path for the tankers. They also took the time to study the ice that surrounded them, discovering that much of it was multi-year ice typically seen in the high Arctic. It was an unexpected find, said Barber, given the time of year and how far south they were. Quote, it's not something you would expect to see there, and not something we've seen there before, he said. In the high Arctic, climate change is causing the ice to get thinner and there to be less of it. What that does it is that it increases the mobility of the ice. So, you know, the ice gets thin up north and breaks apart up north, and then it drifts south to where they're not used to having such thick ice and creates problems. So there's the, there are whole layers of irony here, is that the warming is causing more problems with ice, the warming is interfering with the effort to study climate change. The decision to cancel the first leg of the expedition was made after it became clear that continuing north would interrupt search and rescue operations and probably put lives at risk. The irony was not lost on Barber. Quote, We're doing a large-scale climate change study, and before we can even get going on it, climate change is conspiring to force us to cancel the study. I mean, it's phase one of a $17 million study. They couldn't even, like, <laughs> start. Yeah, they couldn't even start phase one. Um, I wonder... You know, they will probably do other phases of the study. Uh, I don't know all of the details. But I wonder if they will include that in the study to some degree. You know, we were not able to complete phase one due to, uh, you know, ice caused by warming attacking our boat (laughs) and the boats around (laughs) us. If they can't actually include it in the scientific literature, I'm sure they can include it in, you know, articles and blog posts and stories like this one. Now, I mentioned I'm at the 28th Annual Energy Fair, and the exciting part is um, this year for the first time, they're also doing one over in Minnesota. So, let's see, September 9th and 10th was Solar Professional Day, September 8th, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Apparently, there's a little island in the middle of the city and so they're taking over the island with a, an energy fair there. So <laughs> go to theenergyfair.org to see that one. Oop. So, yeah, but, if you're currently not up in Custer, there's still a chance in uh, to reach the second one that's coming up in September. Now, you know, both, both events, um, I come here, you know, once a year to get energized. Um since 97, I've only missed one year, and that was 2014 when I was working down in the Caribbean. And so this is where I come and meet my, you know, my mentors, my heroes, my colleagues. I learn, I teach. And last night, um, last night, there was a memoriam to 
the person who started me in renewable energy. Um, he died this last year. Uh, Richard Perez started Home Power Magazine. And Home Power Magazine, if anybody wants to get into renewable energy, is an absolute great magazine. And so, um, in 89 or 90, someone gave me a copy of that magazine, and it got me going. And when I teach my Living Off-Grid workshop today, I'll talk about that. So, um, And I'll talk about my Living Off-Grid Really uh, .com blog where I post my blogs about Living Off-Grid. So hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of interesting that I started living off-grid in the early 90s, and now it's becoming popular. Yeah. So you were into it before it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, that's, that's why I try to tell people, follow your passion. You never know. It might become something other people like. Yeah. You may be the trendsetter for it. Did you ever see that video, the dancing man, that this crazy dancing man? Oh, yeah, the one where he gets the whole field full of people dancing. Right. And it's like, it's not the first person to do it. It's like the second and third person that really are the, you know, because otherwise you're just a lone nut, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you get other people to do it, eventually you'll create a movement. Yeah. Uh, I forget the term the video used, but it's those, you know, the like leadership by following, you know, that if you see that first person who's dancing, then if you also start dancing, that's a form of leadership, too, because then everybody in the whole field eventually starts dancing. Yeah, it actually takes more guts to be the second and third person to go out there and follow somebody than the first person. No. The first person can just be a crazy person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was me in the early 90s, hmm. living off grid and getting educated by solar energy. And now <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. Now it's so big that they've got to have two energy fairs instead of one. <laughs> oh, there's, there's one probably in every state. Yeah. <laughs> so the Illinois Energy Fair is in August. Um, yeah, but, you know, the people organizing this one are, for the first time, doing one at a different location, so. Yeah. Although, actually, in 2000, um, they had one in Madison, so. They've, they've done, gone on the road before, but just, I don't know, it's, it's fun because you get to actually see all the stuff in operation, hands-on, instead of just seeing presentations about it. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. right now I'm smelling pizza baked in a clay wood-fired oven. I forgot what they're called. Like a tandoori oven, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there are probably a lot of things that you might otherwise see on a, on a website or a show or something or hear about in a presentation, but there it is at the fair. All right, well, let's, uh, well, theenergyfair.org has more information about that. 
Uh, so let's get on now to some of the holidays and happenings. We've got Fresh Veggies Day. Uh, that's exciting. And uh, you can celebrate that a day late at the farmer's market, but <laughs> any day is a good day for fresh veggies. Now on Saturday is Eat Your Vegetables Day. It doesn't say fresh or not. It just says eat them. Yeah. <laughs> so Saturday is also World Jugglers Day, so you can juggle your vegetables before you eat them. <laughs> just like Saturday is also National Hollering Contest Day. Yeah. I wonder if you should holler at the jugglers. That'd probably cause them to drop the vegetables, and then they definitely wouldn't be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, today's a hard day for me and probably for you, or uh, Sunday is. It's Father's Day. Yeah. But it's also International Panic Day. So, I don't know. I should panic that my father's not around. <laughs> yeah. But it's also International Picnic and International Sushi and National Splurge Day. Yeah. Let's see if I can tie all this together. <laughs> Splurge on some sushi to go have a picnic, but then panic that you can't find someone to go with you. Yeah. So <laughs> we had to like fit it all dad. in in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Monday, oh, this is an exciting one, National Kissing Day on Monday. That's a fun day to celebrate. It's also World Sauntering Day. I guess those go together. You kiss someone and then you saunter because you're all excited. And <laughs> I wonder if you could saunter while you're kissing. That would take some skills. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up is Ice Cream Soda Day and International Yoga Day and National Selfie Day. I'd like to see someone take a selfie while doing, what is it, um, my only yoga position I can think of what is downward dog. There downward you. dog, <laughs> yeah. That'd be a hard <laughs> one to do a selfie in. You could try to think of the most <laughs> difficult yoga poses to take a selfie in and then take a selfie. And it's also finally summer day because the summer solstice is coming. So it's finally summer. It's starting to feel like summer here in southern Illinois, that's for sure. And Thursday is National Chocolate Eclair Day. I will have to celebrate that as soon as I can get around to finding a chocolate eclair. <laughs> in in happenings, they have this new uh, thing at the park every Saturday from 11 to 12 called Fresh Fit Fitness. The city of Carbondale is teaming up with the Carbondale Park District to host a series of fitness classes every Saturday during the Carbondale Farmer's Market in June and July. Classes will be held from well, here it says 10 to 11, and up there it says 11 to 12. I think it's 10 to 11, but not yeah, sure. I think it's 10 to 11. I probably just had an error in the heading. <laughs> <laughs> Experience is not required. Please wear comfortable clothes and bring a water bottle, towel, and or yoga mat. A cash donation of $5 is suggested. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact Carbondale Public Relations Officer Amy Fox at 559-1939. Yes, and in other happenings, here's one that I was just talking about last, uh, last night or this morning with people. It's the SAFE meeting, Southern Illinoisans Against Fracturing Our Environment. The next meeting is coming up on Saturday from 1.30 to 3.30 at the Douglas School Art Place in Murfreesboro. Now, they've got a lot to discuss because uh, there's, there's a proposal for hydraulic fracturing actually coming to Southern Illinois 
and they were trying to organize a meeting, a public meeting, to discuss it uh, in the area where the fracking is going to happen, but they were denied the the permit to even talk and try to educate people about it uh, in a public what? setting. Yeah. So they're they're pretty upset about that, and they're trying to find ways to to reach out to people who live around this area that are going to be near the fracking so that they can have dialogue, education about the possible consequences. So why do you need a permit to talk to people in the area about it coming? Yeah. Well, it was I believe it was on it was either on IDNR land, it was on land that was near the where the fracking was going okay. to happen. So they want to have like a public gathering. Yeah. At the location for yeah. the locals to come meet. You know, and it sounds like it wasn't even a demonstration, it was more along the lines of we're here with information about you know, some of the documented consequences of fracking in other areas. Here's some information on that. And they were told no. So uh, the meeting is on Saturday at 1.30 to 3.30 at the Douglas School Art Place in Murfreesboro. They also have SAFE on Facebook and a website, don'tfractureillinois.net. So we will definitely, in coming weeks, keep following that and bring more updates as they emerge. Well, this is kind of a slam in the face because it seems like, you know, most people in southern Illinois have already agreed that fracturing shouldn't happen. Yeah, there's, mean, I've, there's a lot of opposition to it here. And there's, there's been sort of this, uh, I don't know, comfort because it hasn't happened yet. So people are starting to get relieved and say, oh, maybe it's not coming here after all. But then this permit comes along, this permit application, and it definitely is... Uh, there definitely is at least one company trying to bring it to Southern Illinois. So SAFE is very hard at work researching legal strategies and doing public education and doing everything they can to inform and support the public in uh, in resisting fracking and keeping the community and the water safe. So that's don'tfractureillinois.net, and the meeting is Saturday, one thirty to 3.30 at Douglas School Art Place. All right, so this, this other one is on a pretty fun note. Uh, it's the 2017 Poetry in the Park kick series kickoff. It's happening on Saturday from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Heron Park. From the one of the originators of the Two Cents Open Mic Night, it's the Poetry in the Park series. This will be an open mic event held on the stage, built at the northern end of Heron Park. All the profits will go to the Creative Coalition of Southern Illinois so they can invest in future endeavors. They organize a bunch of creative events like this, poetry, arts, performance, those sorts of things. And uh, I will actually, I'm planning on attending this. I don't know exactly when in that window. It's a pretty big 4 to 10 event, but at some point I'll be out there in Heron Park reading my poetry. There you go. So whether you're a, a creative artist yourself or you just like to show up and enjoy it, it's over at Heron Park on Saturday. And it says if enough people show up at the first one, they'll plan a one per month at their new park each time um, until it gets too cold out. So let's make it their first big night. Yeah. So it's just at a different new park, it says here. It doesn't specify where. And so um, also coming up, New Humanist Forum, Community Volunteering Opportunities. The next New Humanist Forum, Community Volunteering Opportunities, will take place on Sunday, June 18th at 12.15 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. That's at 105 North Parish Lane in Carbondale. Tara Dunkel is pleased to announce the rolling out of JustServe.org, a 
free volunteer matching website that is available to the public with no strings attached for our region. Organizations in need of volunteers will learn how to connect to the website, and those wanting volunteer experiences will find many projects to choose from to make a difference in their communities today. And so some of the organizations could be, you know, like Feed My Sheep. I remember uh, reading on there. But if you have an organization that needs volunteers, you can post it to the website. And if you're someone who likes to volunteer, you can go there and see what the organizations need. So JustServe.org. Yeah. Sounds like a good website and a good event. We've got time for one more that I actually forgot to list here. It's the uh, movie and pizza night over at Gaia House Interfaith Center. That's coming up tonight at 7 p.m. And the film that they're watching is Hidden Figures. I've actually seen this film. It's a great exploration of the um, some of the women of color who were in the NASA's program to do some of the math behind the space program. They're often... Like a lot of people don't know that they even existed, and it tells their story and why, uh, you know, why it's important. And it's a great movie. It's Friday, It's tonight at seven over at Guy House, and uh, it's quite a good and movie. Mark to see. your calendar for next Friday's Fourth Friday Fair, called appropriately "Beat the Heat." <laughs> yeah, beat the heat. Well, I'm here getting energized to bring energy back from the energy fair. I want to remind everybody to, of course, stay energized. See you soon. Yes, see you next week on the radio.